This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. When Vice President Kamala Harris recently traveled to Central America, she delivered a strongly worded statement to the people of Guatemala. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. And I believe if you come to our border, you will be turned back. So let's discourage our friends, our neighbors, our family members from embarking on what is otherwise an extremely dangerous journey. Vice President Kamala Harris came under strong criticism for refusing to acknowledge why people flee their home countries in the first place. My next guest writes, rather than grappling with the root causes, the U.S. government continues to view Central America as a source of cheap labor, among other things. So Yapa Portillo is an associate professor at Pitzer College, author of Roots of Resistance, a story of gender, race, and labor on the north coast of Honduras, which focuses on the working class culture of resistance in Honduras. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. And you just uh, co-wrote an article with Miguel Tinker Salas in uh, Jacobin magazine that uh, emphasizes what the root causes are that Kamala Harris ignored. First of all, what is your general impression when she you know, went to Guatemala and said to the people there, don't come to the United States, we'll turn you back? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, her visit to Guatemala was um, really inopportune and tone deaf, as I've said before, um, because really to, to us, to Professor Maria Tinker-Salas and myself, the root causes of, of migration is U.S. empire. You know, the United States have been, has been meddling in the region for over 200 years already. So, you know, when you go to a country where in 1954, the United States uh, you know, caused the coup that led to, uh, you know, 200,000 people being murdered from, from 1954 to 1996 when the peace accords were signed, um, to over 1.5 million people displaced in the between 1980s and 1996, then we are talking about deeper roots here. We're talking about U.S. empire meddling, about military, right? About intervention, about torture and death. And when we don't grapple with those deep roots, right? We are not doing anything. Um, and also, right? Why did the United States execute this coup in 1954 to protect the United Fruit Company? The United Fruit Company, right? The first largest corporation, uh, the transnational corporation in the United States um, is in the United States, right? Has been at the heart of switching government, supporting coups, military, military, supporting military disappearances of workers, labor workers, you know, circumventing progressive organizing in the region uh, for over a hundred years. And obviously the United Fruit Company now doesn't exist and you probably will recognize it as Chiquita Brands um, and the Center for Company as Dole Company, Dole Food. These, uh, what irritated me personally about 
her coming down there and bringing, you know, Nestle and Microsoft was Nestle Corporation, a corporation that is known to abuse child uh, laws and child labor laws, right? A corporation that's just as dangerous as the United Fruit Company. This is not development. This is not economic development. This is more of the same. And just, just to clarify what you were saying, basically, as part of her trip to Central America, uh, she, in representing the Biden administration, brought with her these agreements with the private sector, with companies like Microsoft, with MasterCard, as if to say, um, all right, here, we'll help you create jobs in the sector so you don't have a reason to travel north looking for better jobs. I mean, this is the Democratic Party's answer, I think, to a holistic approach to immigration. This is their answer and really reminded me of, you know, the last 200 years in Latin America and Central America of extraction, right? Um, Natural resources being extracted. Um, the building of private uh, model cities uh, in Honduras, for instance, right? Um, the exploitation of indigenous children, Guatemala, over 50% of the population is Maya indigenous, right? The largest population of Maya communities in Latin America. And these children are now going to be producing coffee and chocolate for Nestle, right? This doesn't seem, this seems like more of the same to me. And it's, it's a little bit shocking that this was the response. And what's even more shocking to me is the notion that the Democratic Party is using the concept of root cause, which is a concept that comes from immigrant rights organizers uh, when they push legislators, right, we have to do more, we have to look at the root causes, and the root causes are not bringing another corporation. The, the, the most important thing, and, you know, just to remind the public that the most important thing is that Kamala Harris needs to focus here in the United States first before going abroad. What, what, what could she do here to improve immigration situation? One, grant uh, residency to TPS holders, grant residency to documented people who've been here for over 30, 20 years, right? People that have paid taxes, people that are, uh, you know, doing uh, what the United States has, has said, right? And are good citizens of our nation and participate in our democracy. What can she do, right? Um, oh, asylum, right? Asylum law is for everyone. And I think it's really important to think about um, the things that we can do here and how we can improve the our situation for immigrants here. And actually Before on that issue, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman from New York, um, took, uh, you know, very clearly critiqued Kamala Harris's speech saying it is legal for people to seek asylum at the borders of this country. She said it is a 100% legal method of arrival. And indeed, it is true. You are, you are uh, basically like Trump breaking international law if you turn people away who are legitimately seeking asylum. And so for Harris to say that, didn't it reveal an either a willful ignorance or maybe a real ignorance of international law and, and US law, not just international law? Yeah, I really think that, that the issue of immigration is a long-term issue. This is not something that's going to be fixed within the Biden administration. However, we can begin to do the work now. And what does that mean? Improving our system here. We have people in detention for up to five years. This is unconscionable. People basically cross the border. That's it. 
You know what I mean? Like they didn't kill anybody. They didn't, uh, you know, this, this narrative has to change on asylum and refugee law. We need to really work on that system. We need to stop child migration. You know, we can't have four-year-olds in detention. We need to stop transgender migration because of all of this. So these are things we can do here in the United States before going abroad, right? If going, and I think that once we address those issues, we can begin to think about going abroad and how can we work with those governments. Now, when you go abroad and you work with those governments, remember, when Orlando Hernandez is crooked, Nayib Bukele is a, a neoliberal president, right? These are elites who do not care about the people, the civil society. So I was shocked that when she went there, she met with elites. She didn't meet with the civil society that we know here on the ground, right? The Jesuits who have been working for a long time on migration and attending uh, migrants on the on the on the um, you know at the Mexico U.S.-Mexico border and the Mexico-Guatemala border and the Guatemala-Honduras border, right? She didn't meet with uh, Las Escarabrinianas, which is an, uh, uh, nuns who work in the shelters. She didn't meet with the deportees. She didn't meet with the family members of those who were killed in detention centers. Um, you know, most of them have been Guatemalan children, right? So she didn't meet with any of the people affected, like the mothers who have organized to travel to Mexico to find the bodies of immigrants that may be lost, that may be killed. Um, so I think that those are the, the shocking things that we have over a hundred year, uh, years of research like there's immigrant researchers, there's researchers who focus on immigrants, and we have a hundred years of scholarship on immigration that will tell you that telling someone not to come is not the answer, and it's not so, going to work. So that's a really important point, and really the point of of what I wanted to explore in bringing you here, which is that the Democratic Party has tried to, wants to distinguish itself from the Republican Party, in particular Trump's Republican Party, on the issue of immigration. So um, Biden undid a lot of the bans and other things that Trump enacted in his first few months in office. And yet the Democratic Party then tries to echo Republican talking points. Are they trying to have it both ways? And in a, in a way, haven't they always tried to have it both ways, say that they're friends to immigrants and then at the same time crack down on immigration, enforce harsh immigration policies? Yeah, you know, the Obama administration always credits themselves with, with DACA. But I want to remind you that DACA comes out of social movements. The, de the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. The, exactly, right? Deferred Action comes from student organizers, undocumented students taking over the Obama administration, uh, the Obama campaign office in 2008. And, and calling him deporter-in-chief. Deporter-in-chief. And actually, so most of the, the ways that the Democrats have moved along slowly has come from social movements. And I think that at this moment, the immigrant uh, rights movement needs to step up and correct this record um, and challenge the Democratic Party to do better. You know, they really need to step up because the Democratic Party by itself is not good, as clearly as we've seen, they're not going to come up with any answers. This is a long-term project. This project starts here in the United States, granting, a, a, um, you know, a, granting residency 
to people that have been working for that, that are fighting for that. In fact, the TPS movement is one of the only immigrant rights movements across the nation who during the pandemic did not go in lockdown. These were the essential workers. These are the people that were keeping us afloat. You know, TPS, that were, so again, being temporary protected status. These are countries that have had a legal mechanism to remain in the country after a disaster has befallen their nations. And often they've made this country their uh, own. Uh, a lot of folks from Haiti, from Nicaragua, many countries countries like that. Yeah, so those folks, you know, really merit um, residency. So why not start here? Also, I think it's interesting that she didn't go to the US-Mexico border, right? That the US-Mexico border, Honduras and El Salvador, those are the key places where I expected that she would go, um, but she did it. She went to a safe place. So, you know, Mexico, Guatemala, not that it's safe, but she went to countries where she wasn't going to face, um, you know, civil society protests, or she wasn't gonna get the critiques that we're making of her now. So what does that say to me? I don't think the Biden administration is serious about immigration. I think this is cosmetic. I think that there's no heavy hitting anything going on here. So we're one, of the things, one of the things she said, Suyapa, was there are legal methods of immigration. Don't come uh, as an quote unquote illegal immigrant. But are there, are there easy, uh, not even easy, are there, um, straightforward methods of immigration that don't involve applying for a diversity visa, which is basically luck of the draw, or basically marrying a U.S. citizen? Actually, the U.S. embassies uh, in El, uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, at least in Honduras, is closed. So in order to come hmm. legally, you have to apply for a visa, but the embassy is closed. And the dates they're giving people are for next year. Why? Because less than 1% of the population in Honduras is vaccinated. There's no vaccines, right? And so when people are not vaccinated, they're not going to be allowed to travel, right? Because the U.S. will not receive people from countries where they're, they're not vaccinated. So there is no route. And also to apply for a visa, you have to have money in the bank. You have to prove that you own a home, that you're going to come back. I mean, these are the kinds of bars that are placed on visa applications. And so many people are rejected. Also, there's no gender identity laws in Central America. So when trans women go apply for a visa, first of all, to get all the paperwork together, um, they would have to go under their dead name. And then, and then also they, they have the financial bar. It costs over $150 to apply for this appointment to see if you're going to get a visa. $150 could feed your family for a month. Why would you pay $150 uh, to go be rejected because you don't have the financial standing? She, Kamala Harris told uh, Guatemalans that it's an incredibly dangerous journey. I, I don't know about you, but I found this extremely patronizing as if she was explaining that she's looking out for the safety of migrants and for their own good. They should you know, use the legal means or stay at home. And really, the, the legal means would be coming, uh, the only way that people can make it is coming into U.S. soil and seeking asylum. Uh, many folks leave in the dead of night uh, because they've been threatened. They leave without whatever they can get, you know, with their clothes on their back. Uh, they leave everything behind. Uh, folks have to uh, leave their children sometimes with other people. If they bring their children, they face separation, as you see in the border, right, still happening. The separation is still happening. Um, I don't know why the Democrats, Democrats think that opening up uh, a station to process children in Long Beach or Pomona was a good idea. 
separating children from their families is a horrible idea. It's a total violation of human rights to those children. There's, I mean, they're not above international law. That's what the Democrats need to realize, right? Trump and the Democrats were not above international law. We are violating severe international laws for children uh, in, in this country. And, you know, we are holding children for up to four or five years. Uh, uh, you know, children are getting beaten. They're being doped in these blackout sites for children. I mean, can you imagine? We went from Guantanamo to blackout sites for children. Mm-hmm. Now, the Democrats need to get their story uh, right. They need to go deeper. They really need to scrutinize what they're doing. And these cosmetic um, delivered, this cosmetic, uh, you know, press conferences are, are not going to fly. And the immigrant rights movement needs to step up and say this to them because no change is going to come from the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party, as we saw in this whole election period, right, that we just faced last year and, and getting rid of Trump, still needs to prove themselves on immigrant rights. Well, Suyap, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We'll post a link to your article with Miguel Tinker Salas from our website. People can also find it at Jacobin Magazine. It's called The Root Cause of Central American Migration is U.S. Imperialism. Thanks so much, Suyap. Suyapa. Thank you for having me. My guest has been Suyapa Portillo, Associate Professor at Pitzer College, author of Roots of Resistance, a story of gender, race, and labor on the north coast of Honduras, which focuses on the working class culture of resistance in Honduras. This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatka. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all our video interviews, find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.